like I just don't feel there's enough people who really understand the gift that they have to be alive. And I do, you know, like I'm never going to stop striving for that for everybody that I know. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we talk to athletes, adventurers, and business owners from around the world of adventure sports. Whether you're climbing Mount Everest, starting a bike shop, or getting up off your couch to take your kids hiking for the first time, we want you to have the motivation and inspiration you need to chase that next adventure. The Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by Camp Crate, the leaders in fully planned self-guided backpacking adventures, as well as backpacking gear rental. You can check them out at campcrate.net. Before I knew better, I used to carry cans of food into the backcountry um, like a doofus. Uh, obviously, I don't do that anymore. I use freeze-dried food, and I really only use Peak Refuel, uh, the best backpacking food, the best freeze-dried food in the world. And if you keep listening to the episode, I can show you how to save 20% off an order if you want some. Powder 7's team of ski experts makes buying skis pretty easy. They're actually known for helping customers find the right gear specifically for them. They even sell used skis, which is pretty cool. Plus, Powder 7 ships to just about anywhere in the world, and they have incredibly fast shipping in the U.S. Visit them online at powder7.com, or you can stop by their store in Golden, Colorado. If you're like me, you have some pain and inflammation from your adventure sport. Sometimes you don't sleep well, and you can even deal with stress and anxiety. Uh, we have a possible solution for you later on in the show. So keep listening if you deal with any of those issues. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. And thank you so much for listening and choosing us to spend your time, your commute, your trail run, your training, whatever you're doing, uh, washing the dishes. That's what I'm doing half the time. I'm listening to a podcast or cooking and pretty soon changing diapers. I don't know. Are you, are you supposed to, can you not listen to a podcast and change diapers? I don't know. I don't know all the rules yet with raising a kid, but anyway, today's episode is, it's awesome. I'm just going to say it like that. You know, it's life outside the box on Fridays. So we always want to highlight somebody who's living really differently. Um, excuse my dog. He's snoring in the background. Back to what I was saying. <laughs> we want to highlight someone who's living their life really different or, or they're, uh, starting a business they're basically chasing something really out of the box not just for an experience or an event but for like a lifestyle and um today's guest his life outside the box really he didn't have a whole lot of choice about it at first um it, you know it's one thing to face a life altering completely altering situation uh, but it's another thing to face two back to back after you think you've made it through the storm that you almost have to just turn around and face another one right away that's even bigger, that's even more dangerous, that's trying to kick you when you're down. Uh, but it's an inspiring story. It's heartwarming. It's uh, incredible. And I'd love if you would uh, support Mike in his upcoming trip and follow him along and, and encourage him. But uh, this guy is just a rock star, and I was so happy to interview him. Outside of that, normal announcements are... Uh, we got a couple new patrons this week. It's it's like every couple days, man, a new one comes in. Thank you so much. I will I will announce the names in a couple weeks, um, towards the end of the month. But thank you so much. Uh, that that really means a lot to us, and it, it really helps us to make this show because it does take a ton of time of our week, but it's a lot of fun. We love doing it because we get to honestly get to listen to stories like the one today. But anyway, if you'd like to be a patron, basically a supporter of the show, patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, I think, slash Adventure Sports Podcast. And it's five bucks a month or one buck a month or whatever you want. Five dollars a month allows you to be interviewed on the show, which uh, we are doing. Uh, so if you're a patron, ask to be interviewed. Email us, send us a notification on some sort of social media, and we'll get you on. But anyway, awesome week so far. Oh, my dog's walking out of the room. Good. Good. Get out of here, Herc. Oh, he's loud. Y'all going to hear a baby screaming in the background before long. That might be challenging, trying to find a quiet space in our little tiny house with uh, <laughs> with the baby in here. <laughs> but anyway, I hope you have a great weekend. Hope you get out there and do something and let us know what you do. Hit us up on Facebook. We got a, we got a Facebook group. 
We just want to see y'all training, experiencing the outdoors, experiencing adventure uh, in, in any aspect of your life, but especially in the outdoors and especially doing a sport. But all right, y'all get out there, have some fun this weekend. All right, so hello everyone, welcome to the show. Um, today I have Mike Cohen, and he is—he's uh, got a crazy story, and I'll let him tell it. But a quick overview: um, he was told he was never going to ride his bike again, and uh, I don't even know the story behind it yet. But he had a heart transplant, and and he is going to be riding his bike across the country, his bicycle, to pay his condolences to the family and to. Uh, to meet the family of the donor. How powerful is that? Mike, welcome to the show, man. Hey guys, thanks for having me. I pr- really appreciate being here. Yeah. Yeah. So, so where we always ask this question, where are you coming from today? Uh, so, so right now, currently I'm sitting in San Diego, California. It's not that warm as everybody thinks it always is, but it's, it's, it's not the East coast right now. So I, I have nothing to complain about. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, uh, it's freezing cold today. It's sunny, thankfully, in Denver, but yeah. it is it's pretty chilly. It was like 17 walking the dog, but that's nothing for people like in the Northeast or even in the Midwest. Oh, like, yeah. It's cold for me, but yeah, and I'm yeah. sure for you, anything below, I don't know, 70 is probably pretty bad. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I mean, originally I'm from New York, so I've, I've definitely, uh, I've experienced my share of blizzards, obviously not Denver type of snow, but definitely, um, you know, not being able to leave the house and, you know, really trying to make whatever food you have and walking like, you know, hours and hours to get, you know, whatever groceries you need that would normally take five minutes. <laughs> so, you know, I've definitely been able to experience, you know, the fruits of weather as well as the sour fruits of weather. <laughs> Jeez, man. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so you're going to be starting this bike trip from home essentially. Yeah, yeah. So, so the ride starts um, the beginning of October, and I will be cycling through the lower part of the United States. I'm going to about thirty four hundred miles later. I'm going to be stopping at a location in North Carolina. That it's either North Carolina or South Carolina, but um, I'm going to be stopping. At, I'm sorry, it's actually South Carolina, and I'm going to be meeting up with the father of my heart donor and our goal at this point is to ride from South Carolina to Jacksonville where my heart donor is buried and his mom, his stepdad and a bunch of his other family members live in Jacksonville. So that's the goal. And we're probably, it seems like the time is going to be perfect that we're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving with them uh, at the same time. So it's going to be a really, really, incredible, um, experience getting there. And then, you know, for me to be able to give the family at least the presence of their son in me being there and to be able to celebrate with my family as well as theirs, I really can't think of a better way to unite this, such a powerful experience that, that I've experienced. You can't see me, but my, like my mouth is hanging open, man. This is that's a crazy idea. So, so what can you get, go into kind of your background? Like what happened and, and what, what led to this? Yeah, of course. So, uh, like I said, I'm originally from New York, born and raised in New York. Um, and pretty much the summer of 2003, uh, 2003, I graduated from high school and I started attending culinary school in New York city. And the second semester Um, the first day of the second semester, I had these lumps underneath my throat and, you know, I noticed them. I was really tired. I was really run down. I felt like I was beaten up, absolutely beaten up. And long story short, I was walking to work. There was a bunch of snow on the ground and I had to cough up phlegm and it was covered in blood. So Mm. that evening, pretty much I was sent home from work. They told me, you know, go home, relax. My mom didn't drive at the time and I wasn't going to drive being in this condition. So we were waiting for my dad who worked nights at the time to come home. And when he came home, we were going to go to the ER and just to be proactive, to, you know, like just to make sure everything was okay. And so before he like literally as he was coming home, I woke up in excruciating pain. I was literally screaming as loud as I possibly can. And like, I felt like I was having a heart attack at that time. And, um, my dad 
you know, at the time I was 18. So I was about, you know, 185 pounds. My dad literally physically picked me up, put me in the car and we, and we rushed to the hospital. And, um, they at first thought I was, uh, potentially having a drug overdose because of course of my age at that time. And I wasn't having a drug overdose. They were asking me all these questions. And then the last thing I remember before I went unconscious was cancer. I heard the word cancer. So to give you a backdrop with cancer, I lost three of my four grandparents to cancer. And at that point in my life, I was extremely like sensitive to the word. I would hear the can you know, the word cancer and I would, I would, I would shiver. I would, I would feel really uncomfortable. And the next morning I woke up and my mom was laying at the foot of my bed and she's like, Hey Mike, you have cancer. And so like, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, <laughs> like, how is this possible? I have school on Monday. Like, you know, I have homework due, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I have projects due for, for school on Monday. Like, this is not going to happen. I have work. Like, how am I going to go to work? Like, you know, you're 18 years old. You don't really think of the bigger picture. You think of whatever is at your plate, you know, what's on your plate and like, how is this going to fit into my schedule? <laughs> you know, right, you don't think right. about the whole reality of the situation until you're in it. Right. So from that, from that day, I was, I was transferred to a local, um, one of the top hematology blood, uh, cancer hospitals in New York at the time. And I was starting chemotherapy about two weeks after that. And by my, by my birthday, which is February 21st, I was able to be released from my initial treatments of chemotherapy, um, which was the beginning of two and a half years of chemotherapy to, to treat my cancer at the time. So, so yeah. You're dealing with this. What, what's going through your head at this time after after it really sinks in that you have this? And is it just making it day to day or is it like what was your mindset? It was like I could not get through this. Pretty uh, soon. Well, you know what? To be honest with you, like like the, like this kind of experience was all new to me. I mean, it's all new to anybody when they you know, when they're diagnosed with something as massive as cancer. And before that, you know, I was really like like my times in the hospital were to see people that were giving birth to see people that you know oh like hey i broke my arm playing baseball um you know playing basketball you know i you know whatever like i tore a hip flexor like i'm like all right this is nothing and for this experience like i started like once the chemotherapy was administered once the procedures that had to be done were done like i had spinal tap infusion chemotherapy where they inject chemotherapy into my spine um, they had bone marrow biopsies where they would extract bone marrow from my hip and that would be how they would, um, see the level of cancer that was pretty much remaining in my body. And to answer your question, like I really day to day when I would wake up, I'd be really excited, you know, like that's, that's how I lived then and being in a hospital for as long as I was, and then understanding that I had two more years of chemotherapy ahead of me. I really just just did not look at future. I was doing as much as I can for the day that I was there. And hopefully at some point I'd be able to get past it. Or you know what reality is? I wouldn't know if I died. So I'm just going to keep on fighting. And that's that was really what I – that was my goal was just to keep fighting every day to be as positive as I could be. Um, I was constantly surrounded by friends at the time and family at the time. My mom never left my side. Um, I was finally released a couple months – you know, like like – my parents moved to New Jersey, moved to New Jersey from New York and pretty much all my friends were still in New York. So I had to commute and drive to my chemotherapy treatments, which was still in New York and my friends in New York. So, you know, I did a lot of driving through New York city traffic post chemotherapy. Um, you know, like I've, I've done some really interesting things during this time. And one of the most, one of the worst parts of all this is, you know, we, we moved to New Jersey and we're like, you know what, you know, to have a dog would be really good for me and for the family just to kind of, you know, take our minds off of stuff and to really focus on this cute, adorable golden retriever puppy. So we picked up a puppy and later that day, I like I started developing a really dry cough, like a <laughs> and long story short, it turned out to be congestive heart failure, which was the first of heart failures that I had post chemotherapy. I had numerous blood clots in my lungs and I had pneumonia. So typically when you hear that combination to a cancer patient who's already going through chemotherapy, that typically is a death sentence. That is like, that's how I've lost my, my grandparents was when they died. The reason why that they succumbed to cancer was because of congestive heart failure. So hmm. when they told me that I had congestive heart failure, I'm like, 
okay, well, you know, I'm at this point, I was expecting to die, but I wouldn't give up. You know, I was still fighting, but, you know, to hear that word associated with that, you know, with that diagnosis, I'm just like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to do the best I can and hopefully I can get out of this. And I was able to get out of it and I moved to San Diego a couple years after that. And actually not too long after that, it was about a year. And I decided that I wanted to start fresh and I didn't want to have my friends, my eventual friends to constantly ask how I'm doing and to look at me like, oh my God, he's a cancer survivor, blah, blah. I wanted to start fresh. I wanted to look at every single person that I knew as a brand new start. And that's exactly what I did. And I was able to control, you know, who I told that I was sick, who I told that I was, you know, finishing up chemotherapy. Um, you know, they just thought I was just a skinny, bald, you know, typical New Yorker kid. <laughs> that's the truth. They that's all call funny. me New York. I mean, like, oh, cool. He shaves his head, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I shaved my head before, so it wasn't that much of a loss when I started losing hair. I was actually, it was actually pretty convenient for me. I was going like, to say, you know, it was probably cleaner, <laughs> nicer shave oh, on yeah. the head. Yeah, never missed a spot. Yep, it was no problem. Pick <laughs> up a chunk of hair, perfect. Let's go. <laughs> wow, man, I didn't foresee that kind of. I mean, I, I, I've had some people fairly close to me have cancer, but they were older and and necessarily yeah. didn't have the chance to start fresh. But I didn't, I didn't think about that. Like everyone, you we're in contact with would inevitably i mean it's hard not to do but just be like you know they have this look in their eyes of like you poor thing all the time yep yep and that and that really doesn't help like like for those people out there that are listening that have been recently diagnosed or know someone that's been recently diagnosed like i know it's really difficult to even think about leaving your support system but one of the best things that ever happened to me was i kind of forgot that i had cancer for a while because i was living you know, I wasn't sitting home, you know, thinking about being being nauseous. I wasn't being, you know, I wasn't home thinking about, oh my God, like my eyelashes need to grow back. Like I was just like, let me just live. I'm living in San Diego. Let me go to the beach. Let me let me learn as a normal kid would learn from from life to be had. I didn't experience that because, you know, turning 18, I was just, you know, I was I was fighting cancer. So like I wanted to get back to some level of a life that I've always wanted to live. And that's what I did. And on my 21st birthday, uh, in 2007, I was deemed cancer free and I was finished with chemotherapy and I would have to return every so often just to have my, my annual checkups and whatnot. And everything came back great. Never had any relapse, knock on wood. And, um, so yeah. So then in 2012 to celebrate my six years cancer free at that time, I decided that I would love to ride a road bike the same way as I'm doing in October from the hospital where I was where I finished my chemotherapy treatments to the hospital where I started them in New York City. And that's exactly what I did. 3168 miles later in 38 in 38 days I accomplished that that goal. So all of you know that uh I deal with some chronic pain, some chronic inflammation in my knees. And it's been an issue with my adventure sports career. Uh, but we just had Caleb Simpson on the show to talk about his company, Hemp Daddies. And I'm actually going to give their products a shot and see how they do. I'm going to be using their CBD oil and transdermal cream. I've been trying it out about a week now, and I've actually noticed I sleep better. Um, my stress and anxiety have even lowered a little bit, as well as my knees do feel a lot better. Their products are third-party lab-tested. They're made from USDA organic hemp, and they're grown on a family farm right here in Colorado. If you'd like to give it a shot yourself, go to their website, hempdaddies.com, and use the code ADVENTURE to get 10% off your first order and free shipping. And I will keep you in the loop about how it does for me. So buying ski gear can be a pretty daunting process especially when it's online. But Powder 7 made that process incredibly easy. They live by their mantra, which is skiing for all, all for skiing, by being completely dedicated just to skiing and encouraging anyone and everyone to participate all year long. It really doesn't matter if you're looking for your first pair of skis or looking to round out your quiver. Uh, they have literally thousands of skis in stock, uh, new and used, so you can get a really good deal a team of ski experts to help you find the perfect ski for you, 
and they stock every brand you can imagine. And not only skis, but they have everything else you need, whether it's a helmet or goggles, apparel, boots, bindings, poles, literally everything. The only thing they really don't get you is a lift ticket. It's crazy. So you can visit them online at powder7.com or stop by their store there in Golden, Colorado. But make sure you give them a shot before trying anywhere else for your ski equipment. What was that like? What Did you connect with people from the hospital that you knew from your treatment? Yeah. Oh my yep. gosh, that's crazy. So yeah, what, what was that experience like? I mean, I know it's hard to sum up and, you know, for a, a show, but try your best. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, I saw my oncologist. I saw a lot of the nurses that would treat me and they all were in tears. They're just like, you know, we never had a cancer survivor ride to us from across the United States um, mm. to say thank you. <laughs> so it's just crazy, uh, man. Yeah, it felt good to to have that experience and to give that to the people that you know constantly saw me in not such a good place, and to show that their work equated into saving my life and giving me an opportunity to live beyond means that anybody ever thought that would possibly, you know, be in my, be in my future. So I was extremely grateful for that experience. And that's really kind of like what kick started me and, and, and blew me into the, the realm of wanting to give back and wanting to be the source of inspiration. And that's what I've been kind of spending my entire life in that role, wanting to just help people be able to overcome their adversities and to kind of hopefully use myself as a the worst case scenario or at least a very bad case scenario and to make people just really understand how lucky they have it and and that even their adversity is an opportunity to learn and an opportunity to improve something that might not be working for you and so you know that's that's been my life till to this very second and then you know that all really continued when in 2017 when I just started a new job and I was kind of putting that to a side. I'm like, you know what? I need to make some money. I want to put some money away for my eventual desire to create some sort of entity that surrounds and, and creates a community of people that are going through stuff that could use different types of activities to, you know, to kind of give themselves a stepping point, you know, to a new life, a new beginning, a new start. And in 2017, I was, I had just a cough. Like I, like I had tightness in my chest. Like after having a meal, I had tightness in my chest. Um, I had shooting pains in my left arm, shooting pains in the left part of my jaw. And I just was by myself. I'm like, something's wrong. I, I, I don't recognize this feeling. I don't know what's going on. I texted my girlfriend. I texted my little brother. I'm like, you guys need to come home. And then while I'm waiting for them and getting prepared to go to the ER because I knew something was seriously wrong, I'm like, I think I'm having a heart attack. And oh my gosh, man! Literally, literally, as I'm about to tip, like, kind of, kind of fall over. Like, I remember just saying to myself, "Stay awake. Do not lay down. Stay awake. Do not lay down." My brother came in and pretty much caught me, and as I was falling into the couch, and we we rushed to the local ER and they confirmed that I was having a heart attack. And um, it turned out that it was a golf ball size blood clot in my left ventricle of my heart that put me in significant risk to potentially have a stroke. So I was immediately put into ICU. They immediately put blood thinners and a lot of different medications to try to reduce the size of the clot without pieces breaking off to give me a stroke. My options were to stay on medication or to have open heart surgery to install a left ventricle assist device that would help the function of my heart and allow me to live a couple years on this machine and eventually have to be listed for a transplant. What did you do and, and did what what did the clot come from? Was it family history or, or? No, no. So it turns out that um, I guess part of the the cancer manual that you're given when you're first diagnosed with cancer is that there's potential long-term side effects that could affect your heart. And in my case, I developed a condition called cardiomyopathy, which is pretty much permanent damage to the heart due to chemotherapy. And it got to the point where that clot pretty much destroyed my heart 
and um, it just wasn't strong enough to keep going. So that that device that they installed were was to assist my heart function. And the way that they would do that is that there would be like a little motor that they would install in my heart that would be connected to power. So for six months post that surgery, I was constantly plugged into the wall. And if I ever wanted to leave the wall, the, the, the wall, <laughs> well, if I wanted to leave the house, um, I'd have to be connected to batteries. I cannot be in water. I can take a shower without certain precautions. I cannot be in rain. Um, I cannot eat certain foods because it would potentially create a clot in the pump. Yeah, it was it, it was a really fun time. <laughs> yeah, it sounds it sounds like a party. Jeez. Yeah. So a- after making it through chemotherapy and being cancer free and riding across the country, this happens to you said in 2017. Yeah. Holy cow! So pretty stinking recently. Yeah. So yeah. from there, what yeah. happened? <laughs> so to be honest with you, like. I mean, I hate to sound kind of dramatic, but the second that I received that diagnosis and I was laying in the hospital bed, it was just myself and my brother. And I looked at him like next chapter. I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm like, no matter what, there's no way that I am going to let this stop my life. Like, like I have so much that I need to do and I, I'm going to do it. And I just took it, you know, I'm like, let's do whatever needs to be done and I'm going to do it. And that's when exactly... Not too, not too long after that was when they said that I can never ride again. So like that was just a very hard thing for me to stomach just because it's like I understand that I'm going through this process but then they're starting to take freedoms away from me that's starting to take a lot of the visions that I have for my future away from me and I was not cool with that. But I still kept my vision. I still kept what my, my ultimate goal was and whatever it was is what it was. I'm going to die fighting. And so that was from August – so I had the heart attack July 27th of 2017. I received the the um, the surgery for the LVAD was August 4th. And then January of 2018, I was just going in for a like a random routine blood draw. And um, I just noticed I had another chest pain. Like I'm like I'm very aware of my body. Since all this has happened to me, I've been very grateful to have a like an abnormal sense of you know, something's wrong, something's right, something feels really good, or something feels something shouldn't be happening. And I noticed this this very, very subtle, you know, little stabbing of a pain that I had in my chest. And it turns out that my LDH level, which is a blood test that signifies there's presence of a clot somewhere in my body, was 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 elevated to to a level of concern. So they they admitted me, they're like, okay, you know, we need to make sure where this clot is. Um, but you're not leaving the hospital until we can get that number down, but we're going to look into listing you for a heart transplant because you're a perfect candidate by your LVAD, your, your heart device being in a malfunction and the condition that you're in is in very, very good shape. You'd be a perfect candidate to be listed and receive a heart. So that's when we started going through the process of being vetted and being prepared to be listed for a heart transplant. Just nuts. And <laughs> sorry, <laughs> no worries. It's just uh, go, going back to the first trip. Were, um, were you a cyclist before this, or did you find that after chemotherapy? Oh, no, no, dude. I was, I was, I was the most, the, the biggest Fred. And I could say that very proudly because <laughs> I eventually ended up working for Trek. So I know what a Fred is. And those cyclists out there and anybody that knows like cycling that, you know, cycles with a certain type of attire lack of certain bicycle maintenance knowledge and so forth. You know, we call them Fred's and I was a Fred. That's like, funny. I, yeah. I mean, I was riding with mountain bike cleats. Uh, my helmet was a mountain bike helmet. My bike was terrible. Um, <laughs> like my fit was terrible. My saddle was terrible. Like everything was like, like I didn't care. I'm like, I'm going across the country in one piece or another. Like it doesn't matter. I'm oh, you, you, you were a Fred <laughs> on your cross country bike trip. Oh yeah. Oh man. Well, <laughs> hey, I, I'm raising my hand because I'm the same way, man. My first trip, I actually that's that's kind of my sport of choice is is bike packing and bike touring. There um, you go. Perfect. So and, you know exactly yeah, what I'm talking. We about. don't know <laughs> what we're doing, but the fact that we're out there is just awesome. It's life changing. It's I, I recommend it. Yeah. I think it's the best way to travel. Hundred percent. Hands down. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I like it better than backpacking. I like it better than road trips. Like it's it's awesome. And, uh, so man, so you, you didn't know what you were doing, but you wanted to do that and you did it. And did, did you, you kept riding up until 
this stuff started happening with your heart or did you just kind of oh wow. yeah awesome. well i got a job with trek and um i got a job with trek and i ended up becoming a really good salesperson for them and i was able to um you know be able to get multiple different bikes at the time and you know really re- really awesome road bikes really awesome mountain bikes and then you know um i learned a lot about just basic mechanics understanding you know the very basic functions and the quality of having certain components and having certain you know um brands and so forth so it taught me a lot about what my next ride would be and what kind of vision I would have for potential sponsorships, potential, um, partnerships, collaborations and so forth. And that's kind of a, that, that's, what's been a very massive help for where I'm at currently in acquiring sponsorships, collaborations, partnerships for this upcoming ride. So it's, it was, it was really valuable. The experience I had not knowing a single thing to being able to be educated throughout, you know, the cycling industry of, like, right. you know, I know right. what a bike is. I know what's good for this type of riding, what's bad for this type of riding and the necessarily, you know, the necessary brands, companies, products, et cetera, that would really maximize that experience. So needless to say, you're probably going to be a little quicker, a little more efficient <laughs> on this ride than your first one. Oh yeah. <laughs> Just publicly, but you know, I said to everybody, it's, yeah, it's probably gonna take me about, you know, six to eight weeks, but you know, that's, that's going by remembering the last ride when I had just started rebuilding my, my endurance, my strength from chemotherapy. And now my last chemotherapy session plus post post, um, riding experience has, you know, grown exponentially that my muscle is significantly stronger than the last ride. My muscle stamina is significantly stronger than the last ride. And I have a brand new, extremely healthy heart. So, because <laughs> who's to say how healthy my heart was then when I was doing that ride? So, true. Um, Good point. I mean, I might be there in a week. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going for Sorry, a record, everybody. man. Going for a record. Now, are, are you doing the Southern Tier route? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be staying. Um, it's going to be San Diego. Um, so, like, my goal, honestly, is to try to stay as much BLM national state parks as possible because i want to camp i want to kind of make this a really cool oh yeah that's that's the best way to do it yeah 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 so so that's primarily um what i've been looking for in my route you know planning was just to kind of keep as close to a state park scenic route as possible to kind of stay away from too many major cities i mean i'm going through a couple major cities but nothing where i have to kind of stay within the you know the inner parts where it's not as safe Right, right. Yeah. Now, I, I did the Southern Tier route a few years ago, and uh, it was good. I, I went off it a little bit to stay a little more wild, like you're saying, and yeah, it was awesome. I, I yeah. kind of was thought it was going to be underwhelming, but it was it was fantastic. I, I totally recommend it. And I started at San Diego, went to Jacksonville oh, as perfect. well. Perfect. Um, oh, dude, I can't wait to hear your route. Yeah, it was, it was great. And, and uh, so, man, like, yeah, you got this healthy heart now, but but how did you get how did you get to that point? What happened? So yeah, so um to to get back onto that, um so yeah, so I was in a hospital and they wouldn't let me leave, you know, because of this clot that was somewhere in my body, and they ended up determining that it was in my pump and I would not be able to leave until that number went down to that level and or I was given the option to either have another LVAD installed or to fully be listed for a transplant. So I'm like, you know what? At this level, I'd like to be listed. I want to kind of get past the LVAD option, and I want to have an opportunity to live whatever duration of life that looks like. And lucky enough for me, I was I was placed in a status of 1A because of the, the malfunction of my pump. There's a lot of different statuses depending upon the need for the organ um, throughout the entire organ process. You know, whether it's heart, lung, kidneys, skin, so forth, so forth, so forth, the status of 1A for 30 days. And on the pretty much on the last day of my eligibility to, to have that status, the nurse comes in and says to me, you are I have good news and bad news. The bad news is that you're not going home because I was in the hospital for 26 days at this point. Jeez. The good news is that we found your heart. And like I was packed. Like I was wow. like she called me early that morning. She's like. Hey, start packing up. You're going home. I'm like, perfect. And then when she came back with this news, I was sitting in my bed 
like dressed, ready to leave. Everything was packed. Like, it, like the, the entire hospital room looked like as if, you know, they just got prepared for a new person. Like I was ready, <laughs> like I was ready to run and like, you're not going anywhere. You're going to, going to get a heart. So I'm like, okay, I guess that's the only reason that I <laughs> absolutely like really mad at you. And, um, so that process in itself was heart wrenching because they really don't allow you to fully commit to that that information until you're on the table and the heart is in your body because there's so many factors that could happen between the time that they determine that I'm able to receive a heart and then the transport of that organ coming to or coming from the location of where it's at. So in in some cases, that donor might be three hours away and that heart, we have no idea what condition that heart is besides what they're telling us until the heart's here. So there's been cases where I was told by my nurses, by my cardiologist that don't, don't like, don't be comfortable with that, with the news that you're getting a heart until you wake up with a different heart. Because wow. there's been a lot of cases where people would be all prepared to go all the way down, you know, ready for the operation. And then by the heart, but by the time they're ready to take the heart out of you, like your old heart and put the new heart in, they're like, sorry, we don't like this. It's not good enough. It, like, like the quality is just not good enough. We're not happy with the condition of this organ. And they send it back and that person goes back upstairs or goes back to the room with their heart and got to, you know, pretty much have to keep waiting. So, um, I was lucky enough to get the heart that night that they told me I was going to get it. And then I spent another like 14 days in the hospital, um, recovering. And then I was discharged on March 12th. So, to to summarize, I was very very fortunate to um, receive correspondence from from my heart donor's family. Um, it turns out that his name was James. I'm not going to disclose the full information, but you can definitely reach out to me. I will be more than happy to to talk in depth, you know, with it. But his name was James. He was a Navy flight surgeon, and um, I was there was a mishap on the base where where he was stationed and. Um, Unfortunately, he was he passed, and he ended up donating um, his heart, his lungs, his kidneys, and his liver, as well as his bones, his corneas, and his skin. So, Jeez. I mean, not only was he a soldier, you know, for the Navy, I mean, he's he saved a lot of people's lives, and there's a lot of people out there that are able to continue living because of his incredible, incredible sacrifice and selflessness. That's overwhelming, man. That's, that's unreal. It is for me. I, I mean, I live every day, you know, like looking in the mirror, like hoping that I'm able to live up to the standard that he's created. And, and, and I welcome that challenge and I will, you know, like I have been in constant conversation with his family. I will like forever be in contact with them. So they know how his condition is and you know, how and what, you know, because of him, he's allowing me to accomplish and experience but yeah, dude, I wake up every day like absolutely blown away that I have this opportunity. So yeah, like I said at the beginning of the episode, I used to carry cans of food into the backcountry. And uh, I know there's a lot lighter things to do, but uh, there's just a lot of options that aren't good for you or either too heavy. Um, and that's why I really do uh, use Peak Refuel now. Um uh, they're a new backpacking food company, and I say backpacking food, really it's just uh, freeze-dried food that you can use for anything. I've actually eaten it for dinner before with my family uh, because it's real food. It's not, it does not taste like backpacking food or hunting food or something that you're only going to eat in the backcountry. It's, it's delicious, high uh, in protein, uh, nutritious, it is going to refuel you, it is filling huge portions and I really encourage you all to give it a shot. At least try it out. Uh, and that is peakrefuel.com. And if you want to get 20% off an order, uh, use the code ASP20. And that's capital ASP and then 20. Now, back to the episode. I mean, I just can't even imagine. So the, the family is open about it in the sense that they're willing to talk to you and and get to know you obviously if you're going to get to spend thanksgiving with them this year <laughs> yeah unreal yeah so yeah. so when did the idea for this trip come about 
<laughs> to be honest with you, the, the day that I got the heart, I'm like, I'm going to meet him. Like, I'm going to do this. Like, like, like at some point, I don't know when, but this is happening. I, I want to meet his family. I want them to be involved with my life. I want to be involved with theirs. I want them to, you know, I will never be able to replace their son, but I want them to know that their son is, that their son's heart is in a great place and they're going to know about it. They're going to be involved in any kind of a success or experience that I have. I want them to be a part of it. I'm, you know, I feel like I've been able to, to accumulate and to, to acquire an additional family in addition to my own, in addition to my incredible friends. Like I have the absolute, I'm one of the luckiest people on the planet in so many ways, not just the fact that I was given a second chance of life, but I'm very lucky. I'm a very lucky person. I mean, I don't, I don't even know what to say, man. It's just such mind blowing that you've come from two, you know, related, but very different types of challenges. Um, yeah. That honestly, I mean, does it weigh on you at any point where it's like, why, why have I been dealt this hand? You, I mean, you seem pretty resilient from it. Just talking to you, I can kind of hear the strength in your voice. Does it, are you like that? Is that really who you are? Or is it really challenging when no one's around to, to, to contemplate all this? No, to be honest with you, like, like what you hear is, is exactly who I am. Like, like, I mean, when I was in the hospital, like I was constantly, I mean, pretty much I would always give like a, like a very straightforward, um, like disclaimer to my nurses. I'm like, I'm going to be the easiest patient you have. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to piss you off. I'm not going to complain. I just want you to be honest with me. I'm going to be honest with you and we're going to have a good time. Like, you know, because the way I look at it is like, I don't fear death. I haven't feared death in a long time. And I feel that if you're here and you have the capacity to make decisions and choose your path and choose what you eat, what you drink, what you don't, you know, like what makes you angry, what makes you sad, what makes you happy, what makes you stoked. I mean, you have an opportunity that there's a lot of people out there would kill for. And yeah, for my life, I recognize that there's only one way I want to live and that is to be alive. I want to be here. I have so much I want to do. I want to, you know, I want to affect people. I want to make sure that people are living the same quality of life that I am. And, you know, like, like this, this is, I wish it was a facade. I mean, <laughs> I mean, like I've been able to, you know, be able to get through all of this, to be honest with you, because experiencing cancer and experiencing chemotherapy for as long as I have really has prepared me for anything else that I could ever experience in my life. Like anybody going through chemotherapy and any level of cancer treatments like radiation and stem cell and this and that, like you're, you're beyond a warrior. You're beyond like, like what you think you are when you look in the mirror. Like, like, I just don't feel there's enough people who really understand the gift that they have to be alive. And I do. And I will never, ever take living and living in a certain level of health and quality and surrounding myself by the best people and putting the best quality products in my body and, you know, enjoying the best quality of life that we all deserve, you know, like I'm never going to stop striving for that for everybody that I know. And I'm lucky enough to experience that myself. So I'm just looking to share it. Like I'm just looking to find a way and I'm hoping, you know, by doing more than just talking like, yeah, we're on a podcast, but if you want to, you know, hit me up on my Instagram, my Facebook, all my stuff, like come ride, come hang out. Like I'm <laughs> like, you know, I, like I'm as real as they come. It's really as simple as that. I just want to live. <laughs> is it necessary to experience and want the quality of life that you have? Is it necessary to go through something like you've been through? Or does the average Joe who who has it all and doesn't really want for much, can they can they get that? Or does the, does the human spirit have to go through trials? To be honest with you, that's my goal is to show people that it doesn't have to go through how I did. Like, mm. you know, I, mean, I said before, I'm from Brooklyn right? and like, you know, like, like I kind of learned the hard way my whole life and <laughs> I don't think that everybody has to. So I feel the way to kind of relate to the average Joe out there is we've all experienced adversity. It doesn't have to be a heart attack. It doesn't have to be cancer. It doesn't have to be, you know, getting a new heart. It could just simply be divorce. It could be not having a dad, not having a mom, not having parents, um, losing a dog, um, 
you know, losing a grandparent really young. I mean, it, like, like, like there's, we all go through a traumatic experience and it doesn't have to be a certain, um, magnitude to be considered, you know, an individual adversity, you know, because some people will never, will never ever have a health adversity in their lives, mm-hmm. but they might have experience where they might've been, you know, they might've been sexually molested. They might've been abused. They might've been bullied. They might've, you know, they might've lost a pinky and that was, their most traumatic experience, but, but who cares? What, like, like, why does it have to be, you know, a massive experience for that to be a, a lesson and potentially an opportunity for that individual to grow, to learn, to expand what they feel is their capacity just because of society deeming that it's not as intense as cancer, not as intense as, you know, being a survivor of nine 11 or whatever, you, you, you know, my point, like anything, yeah. Anything yeah. is adversity. We all have experienced something. And I feel that that is enough to be a level of ammo or motivation to realize that you have enough. You don't need any more. And you could use that to have that desire for more, for a better life, for to make more money, to have better friends, to have a better relationship with your family, to to explore, to see what the world has. Hey, I've never left my town. Okay, well, there's an airport. It might be far. It's not impossible. Hmm. If it's there, it's possible. You know, like yeah. there's a lot of things in life that I just feel that some people cut themselves short because they don't realize what they already have. Yeah, I guess it is pretty rare for someone to skate through life without experiencing anything that would be considered trauma or traumatic. Yeah. I mean, every, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know anyone really. Um, yeah. Something. They're, they're just Something. too young because they haven't gone through it yet. That's the only people I know <laughs> that haven't gone through something that that can honestly change their life like this has for you. So, so what are you, what are you looking forward to the most with this, uh, with this upcoming trip? To be honest with you, to just be right back on the ride. And I mean, I know that you'll be able to relate with this, but the feeling of to just be on a random road with no one around and just, you just hear the sound of your bike and, you know, like you look around, you're like, where am I? (laughs) Yes. I don't even know where I am. Like, I mean, I would have no idea unless I, you know, completely looking at my phone or looking at my GPS and knowing where I'm at, like just being back on the bike knowing that I have that freedom, eating whatever I want, because at that point you really, you know, you could just eat anything. Yeah. And just being able to experience that part of the country, hopefully the people I get to meet, like to be able to share the story with the random people that'll be on the route and hopefully change their lives and hopefully, you know, inspire them to, to find something that they enjoy, whatever that is. And to live without judgment, to live without having to have any other, you know, any other desire besides freedom and and just enjoying their lives. I mean, that's really what I seek for myself. Like the bike to me is freedom and that's, and I look forward to that. A lot of people are going to be moved by your story out on the road. Um, I totally relate with the feeling of a road you've never been on and you're just cruising and the feeling of, you know, being able to eat whatever you want because you're burning 8,000 calories a day and uh, (laughs) saying, I want ice cream for dinner. I'm going to eat ice cream for dinner. (laughs) Man, that is, that is awesome. So, so are you going to be posting things like where can we, cause I'm going to follow, this is too awesome not to be a part of and like follow along. How can we follow you? What's the best way to do that? Um, so where I use as my hub, um, is going to be my website. It's just Mr. Mike Cohen.com. So M R Mike, M I K E C O H E N.com. And my most direct social channel I use is Instagram just because I feel like it's, it's a great way to have, you know, a quick story. Hey guys, I'm here. Hey, Hey, like training's going well. Hey, just had this appointment. Hey. And then also like making statements that I want to, to last longer than 15 seconds and 24 hours. So, um, so like I would say like Instagram is the most direct way to contact me. Um, if you go on my website, it's really where I have kind of the hub of all my information. Um, but you know, feel free to reach out directly to me, comment, you know, send me an email. I mean, all my information's on my website. I, I really try to keep myself as, as available and transparent as possible because realistically I don't have anything to hide. So (laughs) hit me up. (laughs) That's awesome. And, and when does your trip start? Do you know the date? I know you said October. Yeah, October 1st is is how we're looking. And I chose that just because of the weather. It'll be a lot less. I mean, it'll be right after hurricane season. So hopefully we don't get affected by any of that in the, in the south. Um, and it'll be cool enough where, you know, the sun won't be too much of an issue. Yeah, that'll be perfect. That's my favorite time of year, man. That's that's Yeah, me too. <laughs> 
Well, Mike, man, thank you so much for joining us today, telling your story. Um, it's unreal. I hope you write a book about this when you're done, you know, no pressure, but this is an awesome story <laughs> and, uh, wish you the best. Keep, keep working that hard out, keep it healthy. And I can't wait to see what you do. Yeah, dude, Mason, I really appreciate like you have me on and, and giving me the opportunity to, to share my story with you and your audience. And there's a lot of coming, there's a lot of stuff coming, um, that I intend as well as hope comes from this experience. And at the least, if I'm meeting some really awesome people, I mean, there's no losses, you know, I only, you know, I only constantly gain experiences and people in my life. So no losses are possible in this experience. No, you'll, you'll, what, there's going to be so many things you don't expect are going to happen, happen just because yeah. you're putting yourself out there on three, 3000 plus miles worth of road you've never been on and faces you've never seen. And it's going to be just amazing. And when you get to the end, it's going to be even more incredible meeting the family. Golly. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. And all the best. And we will, well, I'll update, I'll update our Instagram and everything when you're going, just if you tag cool. us, I'll be so willing Done. to share it. All right. Done. Without a doubt, that'll happen for sure. Cool. All right, man. We'll have a good one and uh, talk soon. Sounds good, man. Have a good one. All right. See ya. Late. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you know somebody that would make a good guest on the show, or if you have a pretty cool story about the outdoors or adventure sports that you want to tell us, please call us and leave a voicemail at 812-MAIL-POD. That is 812-624-5763. You can also send us an email at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. Again, it is always helpful to leave us a review on iTunes. And if you'd like to be a supporter of the show, you can give five bucks a month at patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast and links for all that stuff is also in the show notes. So thanks again for listening and y'all get out there and do something so you can be on the show one day. All right, later. Also, don't forget if you want to save 20% off the best backpacking food on planet earth, go to peakrefuel.com and at checkout, use the code ASP20. So now in their 12th season, Powder 7 is setting the bar for ski retailers everywhere with their personalized service, wide selection of skis, and gear. Visit them online at powder7.com or stop by their store in Golden, Colorado. Also, don't forget, if you're dealing with inflammation, pain, stress, anxiety, lack of sleep, do some research and check out hempdaddies.com for CBD oil and transdermal cream. And use the code ADVENTURE at checkout to save 10%.